0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Annex Tuesday Night Podcast. The Annex is a community seeking to discover and live life in Jesus, and we hope that this message will help you do just that. If you like what you hear, you can always subscribe, so these messages come right to your phone each week, and you can always check us out at theannexboulder.com or on our Instagram account at theannex.boulder. Enjoy today's message. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Annex. Uh, I didn't introduce myself last time. I'm sorry. My name is Dave. Uh, one of the one of the people here on staff, the director, and uh, really grateful to be with you here tonight. A couple of uh, just uh, public service announcements before I launch into this uh, this uh, talk tonight. Number one, Kelsey Johnson. You guys know Kelsey, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> A lot of love for Kelsey. Okay, Kelsey is taking one for the team and is currently spending 48 hours in a town called Indianapolis, which is the most boring city in America, based on my experience, at a conference just surviving. Um, For the sake of this ministry, we received this huge grant from these folks. They're really awesome. Uh, They've donated $150,000 to this ministry over 10 years, which is awesome. And the way we, we pay that off is we sit in this conference uh, for a couple of days, and so Kelsey's doing that, and the reason I'm not there right now is that my wife is 39 weeks pregnant, um, which is awesome, too, so um, yeah, you can, you can applaud that. I know pregnancy is not uh, something maybe you're, uh, it's a different life stage, right, but um, uh, which is cool, uh, fine. Um, anyway, so with that, uh, I, I just wanted you to know that at some point between Um, now and the 19th or 20th of October, a um, beautiful child will come into the world, and I will, my whole paradigm will change, of course, and I will be uh, not as present as I normally am um, over the next several weeks um, out of that. So uh, I love you guys. I'm going to spend time with my wife and my family and the new baby And uh, so you might get a little bit less attention from me, which I'm sure you won't miss that much. The other thing that you need to know is Kelsey Johnson got engaged on Saturday. All right. A lot of new, exciting things happening at the Annex. Uh, This is our last week uh, in our series that we've called Life of Jesus, where we've looked, um, really skimmed the surface. Uh, looking into the actual life of Jesus, the, the, the testimony of his life from the people, the firsthand witnesses that, that had the, the, um, the, uh, the passion and the foresight to write down what they experienced in Jesus. And this is the last week. One of the things that you'll notice when you read the testimonies, the life, the life narrative of Jesus, these, these things that these people wrote down about Jesus, is that Jesus did not come um, on, on some sort of like goodwill tour to the world as the incarnate um, Son of God. He did not come to get coffee with us. He came because he believed that what is happening now and what was happening then on earth with us and in, in so many different arenas was not okay. Jesus came because he was not okay with the way things were and really the way things are. Jesus was not okay with sickness and death and human suffering which is why he healed people. Jesus was not okay with spiritual oppression, which is why he cast out demons. Jesus was not okay with cynicism and, and faithlessness, a worldview that that dimmed people's imagination about who they are and who they could be and who God thought of them. Jesus was not okay with people being marginalized. And we looked in an entire week about the way that Jesus um, related to women. Um, a a it, it, almost impossible for us to imagine at a certain level how dehumanized women are, but even still something that we face today. Jesus saw women as fully human, and he saw people who were in, in other classes and in other um, culture groups as fully human as well, quite different than his peers. Jesus was not okay with the way that people were marginalized in terms of um, poverty and, sy- and systemic injustice. Jesus was not okay with people going hungry. He fed people that were hungry, and he helped people that were in need. Jesus was not okay with religion that exploited people. Jesus reserved his fiercest, most angry and, um, and direct criticism for people that were in religious leadership positions who used their position to exploit other people and to get ahead in the pecking order of life. Jesus was so upset by that. And most of all, most of all, Jesus was not and still is not okay with the reality that you and I and, so, and, and really all humans at some level live in a disconnection from God the way that we were not intended to be. And out of that um, is uh, consequences that are, are damaging to us. And God uh, and Jesus especially, um, we know this about God, Jesus especially is concerned about us becoming who we were meant to be. We are people who are living as orphans of God when we are meant to be God's children living with him. So God did something new through Jesus. What God does through Jesus is new and distinct. And if you've ever read, read the Bible before, let me uh, grab one of these here. If you've ever read the Bible before, and I would be surprised if there are many people in this room who have actually ever read this whole book. But a lot of this book is a really remarkable narrative that's, uh, frankly, a lot of it's really disturbing and difficult to understand. And God's doing a lot of different things um, directed on this same mission. He is bent on, on, on the things he's not okay with. And, and Jesus comes, and he is the clearest um, and the best thing that God has done um, in order to restore and address the things that are not okay. In short, Jesus came to change the world, Jesus came to start a revolution, to revolutionize the way that we live as humans and the way that things are. Now that, my friends, is a very, very lofty goal. And you might think, well, Jesus, man, um, like, we're still working it out. Uh, could have done better. Um, and, and if we, I would also say this, if we, were, if we were to come to planet Earth, we're on planet Earth, if we were tasked, if we were tasked with the campaign, a campaign, a movement, a revolution to, to change the world. Um, this is how I imagine that we would do it. The first thing we would do is we would pick the best and the brightest people to serve in some sort of like core group uh, executive committee to help you know figure out all of the, the most important strategy. I, I don't know if you guys daydream about things, but occasionally, this is sort of a dumb confession, but occasionally, I, uh, in this, I, I think about being president of the United States and I'm like, well, I'd do it a little bit differently. Um, and, and one of the things that I daydream about, and I will never run for political office, most likely, and I will certainly never be president. Don't worry about it. Our country um, can do better. But um, one of the things that, uh, that I daydream about is, man, if I would just, I, the best part would be to pick the cabinet. You know, my executive committee. I, I would just pick the absolute brightest, best people. I mean, how amazing would it be to sit down in a room with the, with the, the most educated, intelligent, um, wise people in, in every category that matters to our country, to be in the same room with those people. How remarkable. That is how I would launch my campaign if I was spearheading a Change the World campaign, and, and then I would probably pick a lot of people, and then I would do this sort of process where I'd narrow it down based on performance. You know, do some sort of rigorous boot camp. You know, send them through ed, you know, some educational, mental, psychological thing, whatever, to really, you know, widow it down so that we get winnow it down, not widow it down. Um, hopefully there'd be no widows out of the situation. Anyway, and we'd get to a place where we'd have really, you know, the, 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 the creme de la creme. And, uh, and, and then we would spend, of course, a lifetime working together on this project. That's how I would, that's how I would do it if I was tasked with, um, with, with changing the world. Jesus did things so differently, so differently. He did choose a tight group of people um, as sort of his executive committee, but he did not choose anyone that anyone considered the best or the brightest not a single expert on any sort of topic that would be helpful, in my estimation. Instead, he picked people like Peter. Now, Peter is a guy that, like, when you think, you hear the word Peter, and if you've been around the church before, you've maybe read some of the Bible, you think of Peter as a hero. Or if you've been to Rome, and there's like a big cathedral, and he's apparently buried there, and it's really massive. All of that is nothing like Peter was uh, in real life. Peter was an illiterate commoner. He was a fisherman, which is not something that you aspire to do if you have any sort of like um, upward trajectory in your vision for life. Um, Peter was a guy who uh, uh, was a kind of a heart first sort of person. He was like impulsive. He was like that person that like volunteers first, and sometimes it works out well, and then other times you're like, you just embarrassed yourself so massively, right? And Jesus had, uh, Peter had this sort of up and down relationship um, with Jesus, there was one moment where Jesus affirmed Peter so profoundly and said, Peter, dude, the community that will change the world, you'll be the rock that I build that community on. And then there was another time when Peter got really riled up because he thought that Jesus was wrong, and, and Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Satan. I don't know if you could say something more uh, 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 striking than that. And, And so Peter has this very up and down. Peter is a normal, average dude. So normal, so normal, that when stuff got real, when Jesus was arrested and he was brought to trial and eventually to the cross to be crucified, Peter, after three years of passionately following Jesus around, denied him publicly three times. That sounds a lot like me. Man, when stuff gets real, when stuff gets hard, when my life is on the line, because dude, think about it. If Pete, if Pete aligns himself with Jesus, he could be executed too. So he denies him. Peter's a real dude. And the rest of the disciples were no different than him. But post-resurrection, Jesus sits down with Peter, and he looks him in the eye. And he, he has this, 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 this interaction with him, and, it, and affirms Peter, said, you are going to feed my sheep. I know you denied me three times, but you're still my guy. And at the very beginning of the series, if you remember at the Fox Theater, Peter was one of the two guys, Peter and John. They healed a guy in the name of Jesus and then eventually ended up in front of the Jewish Supreme Court who was the same body of people. He, they were in the same place just 40 days after or, or several weeks later um, after the crucifixion of Jesus in the exact same place with the exact same people that, se- that, that, that sent Jesus to the cross. And when asked about Jesus and who he was, what they said was, he is the son of God. We know that because he rose from the grave. He is the Messiah. Totally ordinary men who started doing extraordinary things. Jesus' plan, Jesus' plan to save the world, to change the world, to address the things that are not okay in our own lives, in the lives of every human you know. Jesus' plan is that we, you and me, common people, would be the revolution. Perhaps the most remarkable thing Jesus ever said, John recorded. This is Jesus. He says this. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. You'll be my apprentices. You'll do the things that I do. That's just what you do when you believe in who I am. And this, mo- this next sentence is almost unthinkable. And they will do even greater things than these. Than these things that I've done because I'm going to the Father. Jesus, 40 days after his resurrection, actually ascends to the Father, and there's several accounts of this, and it's kind of a weird, mysterious moment, but um, the the, the point of the matter is that the, the, the physical, resurrected, fleshly human Jesus left the building. And the reason, from his perspective, that he left the building is it's go time for us. That we are going to do greater things than he did. The common Christian view about who we are and what we're all about goes something like this. Maybe this is sort of your headspace too. Man, we're so lucky to be saved in Jesus. So lucky to have, you know, heard about Jesus, you know, maybe through Young Life Camp or youth group or whatever it is. Say the sinner's prayer you know, know that we're going to heaven, that's such an awesome deal, and the rest of my life, you know, my ambition is to just um, maintain my Christian identity, you know, do enough quiet times um, to maintain a relationship with the Lord, you know, do all the Christian things I need to do to maintain that sort of um, uh, status, which is cool. That's, I think, what we believe based on what we actually do, but Jesus' view of you and me is totally different. First, Jesus sees us as the central object of his whole purpose for why he came here to live, to die, and to rise, uh, raise from the, uh, from the dead. But not only that, Jesus sees us, you and me, as the actual agents of changing the world and living out the life that will eventually set people free and change the things that are not Okay. There's this sermon uh, that's in the the, the, uh, Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapters 5, 6, and 7. It's a condensed sermon that Jesus probably preached many different times in many different places. It feels like it's the backbone of his teaching. And he starts the sermon by talking about people who are blessed. And in this sermon, he says, he, he names all of these categories of people that are blessed in the kingdom of God in the new reality that he is launching, in the way the world ought to be. And all the people he lists are blessed as blessed are not blessed in, their, in, in that moment based on uh, the worldly perspective. And then immediately after that, before he even teaches people how to be disciples and followers of Jesus, how, a, uh, how to live life differently, before he even says that, he calls these people that are not even followers yet, he says, you are the light of the world. What I'm about to tell you if you listen to it, if you believe it and live it, will absolutely change this world, which is why I'm telling you now. Jesus trusts us with this. How are we the revolution? What are we supposed to do? If you're like me, you don't feel very revolutionary. How do we do this? Jesus offers two things. There are two things that Jesus believed would create change through us. The first is this, and this is what we've been doing for the last seven weeks, that we would witness to the life of Jesus Christ. We would witness to the life of Jesus Christ. After his resurrection, one of the things he said to his followers that were alive and with him at that moment, he said, you will be my witnesses. Not, you will be my salesmen, you will be my henchmen, my agents, you will be my witnesses what I want you to do is to tell people about what you have seen and heard and witnessed in the last three years. Because this testimony is a testimony that will change the world. When we think about the gospel, which is a a word that's based off of a Greek word that means good news, when we think about the good news of Jesus Christ, if you've grown up in the church, if you're like me and you grew up in the church, When you think about the gospel, you think about this idea of maybe four spiritual laws, a simple sort of spiritual axiom that gets you quickly from a place of not connected to God to being saved and going to heaven by saying a prayer. When these disciples thought about the good news of Jesus Christ, what they believed was the good news of Jesus Christ was the entire life story of Jesus. You want to know about what's good about Jesus? Let me tell you about his life about what he did, about how he healed people and touched untouchable people, about how he loved unlovable people, about how he affirmed people that had never been affirmed before, about how he had power that was, that was greater than spiritual power we have never seen before. Witness to his teachings. Jesus taught he told, his, he told the people that were willing to listen, this is how to live if you want to have a life that is good and best. In Matthew, uh, the, the, the book of Matthew's testimony, um, he quotes Jesus at the end as he's ascending to heaven. He says, go and make disciples of everybody and teach them everything that I taught you to do. Being witness to the teachings Witness to the crucifixion. and If you were with us last week, Kelsey was witness to the crucifixion, about what went down, what it meant, how horrid it was, but what the heart of that, that, that dreadful moment was about. It was about us, about dealing with our sin and separation. And then finally, witness to the most important fact about Jesus, if you accept this as a fact. And these firsthand witnesses absolutely did, because to them, it was the reality that they had seen with their own eyes, the resurrection from the dead. Here's the deal. Paul said this best. Paul said, if the resurrection did not happen, Paul was a disciple that that, that lived out um, his life really after the, the resurrection. Paul said, if it did not happen, everybody should feel super sorry for us, because we are a bunch of idiots to believe what we believe about Jesus and do the things that we do. These men and women were so convinced that they had actually seen what they had seen. They, were, they believed based off of their own experience. Jesus believed we could change the world through the witness, witnessing to the life of Jesus. One important note in all of this, if you are like me, you have heard to be a Christian You know about Jesus because it's in the Bible. And we know that the Bible is credible because the Bible is true. It's the word of God. And based on that line of thinking, that means that you need, in order to understand Jesus and to accept his gospel, you need to believe everything about this Bible is totally true. The interesting thing is that's very divergent from the the original disciples, and really for centuries of Christians. The first people to believe, and even for hundreds of years, believed the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the truth about Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, and that belief and faith in him would change your life forever. Not because the Bible was true. They did not have Bibles. All they had were written down testimonies of people who had witnessed Jesus firsthand friends our faith is not based on the belief that the bible is true now those four testimonies that that, that, that the church has held on to for 2000 years are now in a book called the bible that is sacred and important i'm not trying to diminish the bible but you need to understand that the the keystone reality, the keystone, um, the, the, what we stand on as believers in Jesus Christ is not the belief that it is true because it's in a book that has to be true. It is true because it is a testimony of people who witnessed to something that they were convinced were true and was corroborated by so many other people. Okay, moving on to, to, to the number two. Jesus believed that we could create change through one, witnessing to his life, and then second, Jesus believed that we could create change through actually living the life he taught us to live. This might seem redundant to you, but this is so important. To be a disciple, and this is what Jesus came to do. He came to make apprentices, disciples, followers, people who would learn and sit under his teachings and his life, not just because they were some good ideas, but in order to completely emulate and to take on those teachings um, into their own life and to become like the teacher. Believing Jesus is who he claimed to be, following Jesus' teachings and proximity to him changes us from the inside out. It changes us from the inside out. There's one profound thing that I, I notice in the teachings of Jesus is he is not trying to create a community of people that follow a bunch of arbitrary moral rules. That is not what Jesus is trying to do. And if that's been your experience with Christianity, it is, it is something that is pretty, a pretty big turnoff. A community of people following a bunch of what feels like arbitrary moral rules. Rather, what Jesus is doing in all of his teachings is he is seeking for us through our own behavior and action and practice and meditation to change our hearts so that the inside of us would completely change. Paul, one of the first followers of Jesus, I mentioned earlier, talked about us being a new creation. When we take seriously the things that Jesus says to do, when we become his students, When we believe that they are true and we do them. And a lot of people, and I think Jesus meant this too, just start doing them and then believe they're true because they are life changing. We become a new creation, it is an inside out sort of process. God is not trying to change us cosmetically. He's not trying to change us institutionally. You know, just put us in a different category, a different people group, like a different affiliation with a church and some membership program and and a way of kind of doing things. Or God's not trying to change our culture, so we're just part of like a large Christian culture that all operates in a certain way. God is changing us, wants to change us from the inside out. Jesus said this, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast worked into a dough. My life that will revolutionize the world is like yeast in dough. Now, friends, this right here, this is matzah. It is unleavened bread. Maybe you've had some before. It tastes like kind of a dry cracker. I, I rather enjoy it, actually. And it's wild how many ca- this is like 250 calories, which is pretty disappointing because it's so small. But um, what's distinctive about this is that every single ingredient in this, is the same as every single ingredient in this, except for one small thing, and that's yeast. And this, ooh, that's a lot of yeast. That would be good for, I don't know, several pounds of dough. This is yeast. Where is it? Jesus wants to get inside of us. It it feels small. It feels almost foolish. How is this dust going to make bread rise? Now, of course, we can get chemically into it, but Jesus is using this powerful metaphor. The kingdom of God, the life of Jesus, gets inside of us. When we trust it enough to get inside of our heart, even in little bits of it, it starts to change everything. And that's the analogy just applied to us personally. But think about us as, as, as yeast in the world. Think about us as yeast in the world. Friends, there is opportunity in front of us all of the time. Mind putting up that picture? This is where I lived for three years at the University of Washington. It looks a lot better on the outside than it does on the inside. I assure you of that. This is the uh, Pi Kappa Phi house, and uh, I, I live, so three years in this structure, which is, which is quite a run. And, you know, when you think about fraternity life, when you think about, um, and even myself, you know, is this a place, you know, most of us think about this as a place to live. Maybe a place to live out our kind of college, you know, uh, fantasies. You know, the, we had a really uh, great party room, kind of bottom right uh, through those, those windows that had lock bars over them because we lived in a very safe neighborhood, um, right? You know, this is just a place to live. This is just a group of guys to, you know, to bro out with. This is just a community to party with. But when we think about our life differently, when we think about who we are, who God has called us to be as agents of change, if we take seriously actually living living, just living it, taking seriously the teachings of Jesus, emulating his life the way he saw and treated people. And we don't even be experts at it, but just starting to do it. Suddenly, the vision, that place becomes a different place. That's not a place to live or a place to party. That is a place to invest in. That is a community of humans who are living a life that's not okay, who are living the consequences of a world that Jesus is not okay with, who are desperate to know the love and the life of Jesus Christ. This is, a, this is an opportunity to invest, to change the world, not a frat house. So, where are you? planted? Where does God have you now? And how do you see it? Are your roommates the best you could find on Craigslist? Were they randomly selected by some sort of like, you know, data system, you know, when they put people in the dorms? Are you just trying to get by until you can finally live with the people you actually like? Who are the people in your classroom? The people at your work? People that you just try and manage along with decently enough so you enjoy your life. Those are opportunities, those these places, these communities are opportunities for us to be who Jesus desires and commissioned us to be agents of change because we are witnesses of the life of Jesus specifically in the way that we live. And Jesus believes and I think we should believe that if we actually do that, that all of the things that he thinks are not okay, and my guess is, many of those things we are not okay with too, will change because of us. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, it is uh, almost unthinkable for us to imagine that you would empower um, such ordinary, unqualified, um, underachieving folks to do the most important work that we could possibly imagine. I think for many of us, maybe we've even heard this idea before, but we don't actually believe it because we're not sure that it could be true for us. And so we think of our lives to be smaller than they actually are. But Lord, give us a little bit of faith. Just a little bit of faith. Just like a little bit of yeast. Give us a little bit of faith to start living the way that you've called us to live. And we pray, Lord, that we could see some fruit and change and that you would continue to change us from the inside out so that you could change this world from the inside out for your glory. And for our sake, we pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you back here next week.